Welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash, a food waste podcast with Hope and Kat. Hello and welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash. We're a food waste podcast. (laughs) I'm Kat. And I'm Hope. And on today's episode, we're talking all about restaurant food waste. So we know we eat at restaurants. So do they waste food? Do we waste food? Who wastes the food? And we're all wasting the food. <laughs> That's why we have this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, I'm sure you've all eaten at a restaurant at some point in your life. And so we're going to check in on what kind of waste is happening in that space. Yeah. Is there waste happening before you forget your to-go box on the table? Because we've all forgotten the to-go box on the table. And then you go back and it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And isn't it always the time it was like the best meal and you were like, I'm really excited to eat this the next time. And at least that's me. I don't always love leftovers, but the times that I do, you forget it on the table. If you consciously give yourself leftovers, you will subconsciously forget that they're there and leave. You're like halfway through your meal. I have to eat this tomorrow. I can't eat it all right now. I have to be able to enjoy this again. Mm -hmm. If you're me, you really want to enjoy it cold. And then if you have that thought at all during your meal, send yourself a reminder, tell everyone at the table because you will forget your box. Put an alarm on it. So it squeaks at you when you're about to leave. Tie it back to your wrist so that you can't forget it. Put it in your friend's purse. Yeah. Do not create more food waste at the restaurant. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, maybe we're going to share how much food waste happens once you take the restaurant food waste, food, restaurant leftovers home, and then forget about them in your fridge. Because I, that has also happened. (laughs) That's awful. (sighs) You know, we're all just out here trying. In my opinion, it's more likely to be eaten by someone else in your home if you're (laughs) Or if you're my partner or if you're somebody living with me, chances are I'm going I'm going to eat it before you forget that it's there. Oh, well, I guess I got to let you know when I have leftovers and you can come over and get them. Oh, yeah. Set on your reminder, not only to not forget your leftovers, but also to let Hope know that they're coming. And that they're extra cold. Oh, be still my heart. Yeah. <laughs> well... What are restaurants wasting? So ReFed, which is an organization that studies food waste and helps come up with solutions and ideas to prevent food waste, um, they have some data about the food service industry. So that's more inclusive than just restaurants. It also includes like catering, um, cafeterias, uh, things of that kind of business sector. And they've identified that that group wastes about 12.7 million tons of food And about 80% of that is landfilled or incinerated. And less than 1% is donated. Whoa. Um, Yeah. Those are some pretty heavy statistics. That's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. And reasons for that include plate waste. So like what we were just talking about, that actually accounts for 70% of the uh, food waste in restaurants or in the food waste, food service sector. Uh, catering overproduction accounts for about 10%. General overproduction accounts for about 10%. Uh, 
Uh, date label concerns accounts for about 4%. And then less 2% or less include like trimmings or byproducts, um, spoiled food, cooking issues, handling errors, or like other equipment issues. And they got this data from a variety of public and proprietary data sets and interviewed experts and researched case studies. It's a lot of food. I mean, I, th- I think it makes sense. It's hard to always figure out how much food you should be producing. Mm-hmm. And then it can be even harder to control what your customers are eating. Mm-hmm. And then you definitely can't recover food that's been um, given to someone to give yeah. to someone else. So mm-hmm. restaurants are in a unique position. They are in a unique position. It's Jack. Yeah, like you're saying, you don't know how many customers you're going to get per night. So if you prepped a bunch of stuff, but then it might be harder to donate because there's more rules around donations of restaurant food or not necessarily more rules. Um, Generally folks have more requirements around accepting it um, because it's been cooked and processed and handled versus a donation from a grocery store where that's a little bit different, but then trying to get a little more uh, narrow view or a deeper dive specifically looking at restaurants um, the food print had an article called the problem of food waste and where they stated that us restaurants generate an estimated 22 to 33 billion pounds of food waste each year uh, institutions including schools hotels and hospitals generate an additional 7 to 11 billion pounds of food a year and approximately 4 to 10% of food purchased by restaurants is wasted before it even reaches the consumer. Drivers of food waste at restaurants include similar things that they found. Oversized portions, inflexibility of chain store management, and extensive menu choices. According to the Cornell University Food and Brand Lab, on average, diners leave 17% of their meals uneaten and 55% of edible leftovers are left at the restaurant. <laughs> we yeah. spoke about it. Yeah, we're, we're all guilty. More than half of us. Um, and that's partly due because the portion sizes have increased so significantly over the past 30 years, um, often being two, two to eight times larger than the USDA or federal or FDA um, standard servings recommend. So a lot of variety of reasons why there's waste in um, restaurants on the production side, because there's kitchen culture and staff behavior that, you know, again, lead to over-preparation of food or improper storage, um, failure to use scraps and trimmings, uh, all-you-can-eat buffets, we get on that train. Uh-huh. I mean, those are particularly wasteful um, since you can't legally reuse or donate um, mainly uh, most of the time due to health code because it's been out um, to the public. And yeah, so it's it's on all sides. The consumers, because we're being fed more than we probably need at restaurants. And then, you know, on the back end when you're preparing, it all leads to, to waste. So it's, it's a hard one to crack because you have multiple factors in, in that space. And so how do you prevent it on the front end? But then how do you also then influence your customers to either take their leftovers or I guess portion control and still feel happy that they got a satisfying meal? Because if the expectation is to have a serving that's much larger than what's quote unquote recommended, 
you know, I know there's that, that expectation plays into it as well. Yeah. I, and then uh, being a restaurant owner, you're like, all you're seeing is like money being thrown away, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to turn a profit in a restaurant. Like, so uh, I'm glad I don't own a restaurant. <laughs> These are the big life questions you ask before you open. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like, what are some restaurants doing to help prevent food waste? Um, so the NRDC, the National Resource Defense Council hosted, uh, or has been hosting, who knows, I guess we, we could, uh, if we Googled it, um, some initiatives focused on, at the city level. So in Nashville in, um, 2017, uh, the James Beard foundation came to town and, uh, did hosted 50 local restaurants to talk specifically about, uh, food waste. Um, and the mayor got on board, uh, at the time it was mayor Barry and started the food saver challenge. Um, so it challenged those 50 restaurants to participate for a period of 30 days to cut down on specifically food waste and then share, uh, their stories and their, the differences that were made, um, in hopes to influence people, um, to do so what they could do in their own homes. Cause as Kat's saying, like, even if you take your food home, it doesn't always mean that, uh, you will be eating it. But the major hope was that it would attract a lot of media attention um, to talk specifically about food waste and then also um, how, like I said, you could prevent it in your own home. Uh, too bad this podcast didn't exist at that time because we uh, they could have featured us. Um, still time. NRDC, too late. Yeah. please give us a call. Um, but uh, so as a result of their the food waste food saver challenge, the, some of the restaurants were able to make like real changes. So, um, at, um, meal restaurant in West Nashville, chef Andrew coins, uh, started juicing his leftovers. So he's, um, juiced some leftover, uh, carrots specifically, and then smoked, um, leftover pieces of scallop and, uh, created a small bite that he was able to offer before dinner. Um, and it also, and to him, he said it, it almost became like a game. Like, how do we cut back as much as we can about compost? Like, what can we use specifically in this restaurant? And so, um, over the last or so then over the 30 days, um, they were actually able to prevent 6,000 pounds of food from being thrown out. Um, so some of that went to like creating fun new dishes and then some of it also went to compost, but that's a ton of money. Like, that's incredible. Especially for like, yeah, a small business or like one restaurant to be saving that much, um, food waste was pretty impactful. Um, so they talk specifically about how it's, um, people get confused. It's not just like fruit and vegetable scraps. Like it's dairy, it's meat, it's eggshells. It's the coffee grounds from the coffee that you brew. And then, um, at lunch and then like not everyone uh, drinks it. Um, they also talked about like tea bags and how, um, basically everything that they used to throw away was going to be some, in some way compostable. So, um, it was really exciting. They said they learned a lot from participating in the food saver challenge. And then as you can see, 6,000 pounds of prevented garbage is, um, pretty impactful in general. So following the pilot, Nashville actually decided to continue on, um, in smaller groups, um, uh, and so it's now the food saver challenge. Uh, you can actually go to their website 
the it's Nashville Food Saver Challenge. Uh, and if you're a Nashville restaurant, you can sign up to participate. And um, one of the great uh, incentives for uh, participating, as I said, is all of the PR that is spun around this challenge. I will say that technically, the challenge started in 2017, so uh, lots of news has happened since, and it might not be the hottest topic, but to me, it will always be headline news. So in addition to Nashville, Denver also did uh, a very similar project. Uh, So each starts with the James Beard Foundation doing um, a little clinic on food waste, and then um, a bigger uh, initiative from there. So Denver partnered with We Don't Waste, which was a local donation group to um, help rescue food. Um, And then they also were, um, so Denver's came kind of in, they wanted to do like tiers. So there was a focus on prevention. So that's, um, that's kind of where the James Beard thing starts is they do education to the local chefs um, that are interested in participating. Uh, Then they do they partner with they partnered with a rescue group the we don't waste uh which is a local donation based organization that picks up food from restaurants at least twice weekly and then distributes it um, to, through their nonprofit partners they did uh recycling so denver provided free compost services to the restaurants while they were participating in this and then uh with that compost came like signage some infrastructure money, um, help with, uh, kitchen setup and like training on staff, uh, like how to compost, because, uh, as you learned in a previous episode, it can be confusing and challenging, uh, to remember how and what to compost. Uh, then they worked on a project called close the loop, which, uh, uh, worked with the parks department to create more composting areas. So like uh, putting pilots in, in different parks and then also doing, um, education around food waste at the actual like consumer level. So they did a film screening for just eat, eat it. Um, and they invited the restaurants to come and, uh, talk about their uh, successes or not. Um, so overall at the end of the uh, pilot, uh, they were able to actually make a huge difference. So they found at the beginning of this, that 18% of uh, food waste was being saved and captured either in compost or some other like donation program, something like that. Um, And at the end of this, 70% of the food that uh, was wasted was actually captured either through compost donations or um, upcycling or recycling in the restaurant. Um, But that was disappointing to them because ultimately they had hoped 85 to 90% of the food actually would have been saved And then the biggest um, disappointment in all of this was that most of the restaurants uh, had a hard time coming up with uh, sustainable strategies. And so they actually found that um, most of the things that they had implemented uh, weren't going to be things that the restaurants were going to continue in. So in the bucket of prevention, most restaurants had a hard time coming up with uh, prevention strategies on how they actually would um, prevent uh, uh, food waste from happening just in general. Um, then rescue, as Kat mentioned, is really challenging with prepared food. So most of the restaurants found they could only donate uh, small amounts of time or small amounts of food. And it had to be food uh, that was uh, due to like menu changes 
or incorrect errors that they caught in the in the back of the restaurant as opposed to going to the table. Um, the free composting was really wonderful, but only six out of eight restaurants plan to continue offering compost when it uh, wasn't was no longer free. One of the biggest things that came out of it was that um, they saw their most successful outcomes when the restaurants had strong buy-in from ownership, uh, which we we know from other things. Um, if, you, if the bo- big boss doesn't care, um, no one else will. And then they also found that um, most restaurants had implemented some sort of uh, program where extra food could be taken home by their employees. And so most said that they would continue to do that process as well. But a little disappointing. I think it's really real. The idea that um, prevent trying to prevent food waste at a restaurant can be really challenging. Um, and then also trying to come up with sustainable strategies around that prevention or without really understanding or knowing um, it can be hard. Absolutely. It's, it's not, because particularly if you don't know where the waste is coming from and like how you can continue. So I mean, organizations like Lean Path um, is a technology company that helps empower restaurants um, to have a meaningful impact on the environment and improve their kitchen's efficiency. They work with multiple culinary teams and through their powered empowered technology, they've helped prevent 60 million pounds of food from being wasted at uh, restaurant levels, as well as like larger kitchens as well. And so what their technology does is it's an automated food waste tracking tech that provides a complete food waste prevention solution, which includes data collection tools, cloud-based analytics, and expert coaching. And they have offices located in the US, UK, Spain, and Australia. So they're all over the place and they um, help support you kind of like weigh your food waste it helps identify like what could have been saved what could have been what would have should be composted and a lot of other different tools and have helped a lot of different organizations and one success story is from the ritz carlton out of washington dc they've prevented over sixty-one thousand pounds of food from going to waste since they started using the lean path system and like found out that they were buying eight cases of fish when they really only needed four and like started turning day old pastries into bread pudding and then were able to actually add more expensive items to their menu like smoked salmon because they saved so much money and they were buying the more correct portions for their clientele uh, that they could then add new offerings to their menu um, which is great so there there are ways out there to get prevention strategies going and you know technology has really been able to kind of create that space um for for restaurants man if they want to send those other four cases of fish somewhere um i'm happy to take them off their hands <laughs> i'm sure that they are making better use of the money on other things but I, a girl loves fish yeah so. you know i think they figured it out but you know maybe if they have extra they'll hit you up i'll have to send a letter to my local ritz carlton hello yeah. if you're finding you have too much fish I'm happy to take it off your hands. Please send my way. That's really cool. Well, not utilizing Lean Path, but some also some cool restaurants that are using unique strategies to reduce food waste that I want to highlight. Um, they're all in the UK, everyone. So put on your um, travel hat and grab your passport and your vaccine passport because we're 
we're about to take off. So the first one is called Poco, P-O-C-O. Um, and they actually um, did a plate waste study. So they were analyzing returned plates to see what was being eaten and what wasn't um, so that they can make better decisions around what should go on that plate. And they actually removed a flatbread from a, a particular dish because nobody was eating it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know the last time um, anyone looked at a plate that was returned that wasn't like mad. as a chef why are you returning this plate um but yeah that's pretty unique that somebody was actually looking at what wasn't being eaten on the plate and actually made a decision around it another one is arbor um so they actually uh send their cooking oil in to be converted into biofuel and i thought that was a really freaking cool um and if um if you are a restaurant person and you are listening to this podcast um uh and maybe you're even friends with me, uh, please reach out. We want to know how your restaurant is specifically preventing food waste or if it's not. Um, but if somebody's converting their oil to biofuel, like hats off to you, that's bomb. Um, I've also heard of companies, um, or restaurants work probably working with someone, they convert the oil into soap. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And that's again, bomb. I'm, sh- I'm showing my age, but I think bomb is <laughs> so cool. Bomb.com. Um, yeah. It's that's a bomb.com <laughs> straight bees knees. Yeah. Um, so then there is, um, sat Baines and they, uh, they have a, a closed loop organics unit, um, which they put all their food waste in as opposed to like composting. And, um, it's similar. It seems to like the, some of the technology we were talking about in the composting episode, uh, where, um, in 24 hours, um, uh, the food is actually broken down into nutrient rich soil. And then they use that to help grow the vegetables that they use in the restaurant. So they're constantly creating their own, um, soil, which I thought was pretty exciting. Um, and then, last one I will mention, um, is silo and, um, they are a restaurant that is known to, um, they have the, the idea, the restaurant is based on the idea that they don't have any bin. So that means no, um, there's no food waste at the restaurant. So all the food is recycled, right? Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Um, can't see my face, but wow. Shock expression. It goes like so deep. So um, the on-site toilets are flushed with waste from the coffee machines. Um, and then they all, yeah. So their vegetable scraps are either pickled or fermented, um, into product. And then they use like old milk to create cheese curds. Um, and then they, some of the like pickled and fermented stuff they use, uh, to curate their cocktail menus. How do you coffee to toilet i'd love to oh learn. sorry it's the water i think like they just you know in the back instead uh, of like flushing they like got it, got pour it, got the water so i don't know how that works like if you like push a button like i'm done in the restroom and they come and like pour the coffee <laughs> but um but there's probably yeah. a reserve tank or something that feeds into it yeah yeah wow that's incredible what if i now i really do want to go fly and take off and go to silo right and the other restaurants, but the one seems particularly cool. Silo is what I would say is the most interesting. 
I just like the idea that your whole restaurant is based on the fact that um, you have no bin. Yeah. Well, speaking of no bin, um, it's time for my recipe. Recipe time. I liked the end of that one. It's. I think I say it every episode, but I'm like that. Oh, that one sticks. <laughs> what we um, need to do is just uh, record it. That's true. But then, where would be the time. excitement? You know, true. like what's gonna happen? It's recipe time. What's gonna happen, uh, everyone? That's true. I know everyone is excited to hear what we're gonna do each week. So, yeah, gotta keep so, it fresh. Um, continuing on my journey of leftovers. This one is really unique because I think there are some cases where, or some households where you'll never have this leftover. Um, and I think that household actually is mine. Uh, so unique experience, but, um, chips and salsa, uh, mm-hmm. like I feel as though you always either get too little salsa or just like way too much salsa. Mm-hmm. If you get Mexican, especially if you get takeout, they give you like 57 of those tiny salsa containers, Um, and you gotta just look past all the plastic waste, but, um, once you're done eating, you have like at least five of those little things left over. So it's like, what do you do with the salsa? Cause there's never enough salsa for the potato or for the tortilla chips. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some crazy reason we, I had left both leftover chips and salsa recently Mm. and chips can go stale. But more importantly, like, what do you do with leftover salsa or leftover sauce in general? Because uh, dipping sauces, I just, again, you either get not enough, you've got one leftover chicken nugget and no sauce, sauce, or you have three sauces and no more chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. So I made um, leftover chilaquiles, uh, which seems like obvious. Um, it's probably what they were invented to do. Um, but it, it was easy. So I just put the leftover salsas. There was a couple of different ones. Like we had like a really hot one and then also a few miles. So I just poured them all into, um, my Nutribullet. Uh, I also added, um, we had a, a little bit of garlic and, um, some other vegetables that, uh, were roasted that were just like leftovers. I just added everything into there, blended it up. Um, you could, you could add in like literally anything you had like jalapeno. If you have like other salsa, like jar salsa, if it, if it gets a little spicy, you could throw in like a little agave or some, um, sugar. Like I said, I added, uh, I added garlic. <laughs> you could add in some like cilantro adobo. Like if you have leftover adobo, like you didn't use your whole jar again, um, just pour it in there. Um, blend it up so it gets a little soupy or uh, you can leave some of it chopped if you want some like chunks Um, baking dish put your tortillas down uh, pour the sauce over it make it it can get a little soupy you like want that Um, put some cheese on top put it in a broiler Um, again cheese like the world is your oyster you could do like monterey jack cheddar feta goat cheese pepper jack yeah literally any cheese maybe not swiss i don't know it's your life um put it under the broiler until it gets hot the cheese gets a little crusty and then eggs any way you could even stop there and just do like basically like sans eggs yeah 
Um, but throw on egg, some eggs. I prefer over medium. And then there you go. Uh, again, yep. you could throw some cilantro on there. Really the world's your oyster. But I was like, I'm so dumb. Like I'm like sitting there with a stale chip and like these 57 containers of salsa. And I, I could have been having chilaquiles. I don't think you're dumb. I've also run into this problem a lot. And I'm like, what do we do with these chips? I often will grind them down and turn them into something or we'll just, yeah, eat them. You, you muddle through stale ones. But I've literally never thought to do this and I do make chilaquiles, but I've never put that together. So I have some, not restaurant tortilla chips, but like a bag of tortilla chips and they're getting to the bottom. I think I might do this. Yeah. It's, and it's so black easy, beans, man. avocado. Yeah. Mm. Like this is your leftover, like it's basically leftover nachos, but you yeah. just put an egg on it and it's breakfast. So good. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm, I really don't want to go make it right now. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Everyone go, everyone run, don't walk to your refrigerator and make some leftover chilaquiles. Yeah. And salsa is one of those things. Again, even not just from the restaurant, like you'll buy the thing of salsa and then you have like a quarter left, like that little nub at the bottom. And you're like, what am I going to do with this? You either run out of chips and you still have the salsa or you just, you're at the end of a party, you know, and you got some left. That's a great, very good idea. I'm loving it and I'm going to try it. Amazing. Everyone else try it. Let us know how it goes. Take pictures. We want to see your smothered chips. And check out Hope's recipe on our website, twogirlstalkingtrash.com with the number two and Instagram, twogirlstalkingtrash, the number two. Thank you guys so much for listening today and um, find yourself a restaurant to eat out at tonight that, you know, converts their oil into biofuel. Yeah. Or soap. Or soap. Yeah. Then let us know exactly where it is so we can go find it. Have a good one. Goodbye.